The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Astrology reveals insights into the greater world, its changing cycles and universal forces. Through the lens of astrology, we examine special topics and current events, investigate their meaning, and discuss solutions to personal and global problems. Welcome to Astrology, the theory of everything, with Mary Jo Weavers and Janie McCarthy. We're here to show you how astrology can be a powerful tool for self-awareness and transformation. You'll be amazed how everything is interconnected when using astrology. Now, here are your hosts, Mary Jo and Janie. Welcome. I'm Mary Jo Weavers. Today's show first airs when the sun is in the sign of Gemini, the mutable, adaptable, quick-witted air sign of the zodiac. Joining me on the show is a fellow soul-centered astrologer from the Pacific Northwest, an eloquent writer, student, and speaker on astrology who displays many of the attributes of Gemini, Gray Crawford. Welcome to the show, Gray. I'm excited to have you speak with us today. Thank you, Mary Jo. It's a delight to be here. Terrific. Well, Gray, let's begin our discussion talking about Gemini, the first air sign of the Zodiac, and some of its traits. How do you describe the energy of this sign? Well, one of the first things to look at is that Gemini is an air sign. So that puts a lot of focus on sharing, communicating ideas and thoughts, mental constructs and concepts being important. If you look back to at sort of the history of astrology, um, it used to be associated with the sanguine humor. And if you look up what that means, it generally means being sociable, lively, optimistic, carefree, talkative, lots of ideas and imagination, loving subjects, um, all things you really still associate with air signs in astrology and modern astrology. And air signs also, also, also often bring a lot of hope for future possibilities, sort of an aspect of wish fulfillment going on with, with all three of those signs. What distinguishes mm. Gemini, though, is that it's a mutable sign. And um, that really connects strongly with Mercury ruling Gemini. Both of Mercury's homes and signs are mutable signs. And mutable signs transition us from one season to the next. So they always hold this duality of being both a beginning and an end. And there's a shifting... Um, flexible, adaptive quality that when you synthesize that with the air element, it goes well with the shifting nature of our thoughts and mind, how our thoughts and mind can dramatically mutate and change. It gives Gemini a very active mental quality that can switch between subjects, points of view, synthesize meaning, 
being open yes. to evolving perception. And, and it, it seems to me that we're living in a very fast-changing world, and there's a lot of unpredictability in our lives. And Gemini, with its versatility and flexibility, can help us be resilient and adaptable. Yes, definitely. Um, one aspect, too, about that mutability is it's often kind of seen as being digressive instead of very linear step-by-step. So that basically means the mutable signs in Gemini can switch between things. Sometimes we'll start working on one thing and then jump to another thing. Sometimes that other thing gets finished before the first focus was really finished. And in a Mm -hmm. time of a lot of change and unpredictable things going on, that can be a strength in in moving between what really needs to be focused on and not getting um, overly fixated on a certain way of um, being. It also is a masculine sign. Um, Sometimes people prefer using yang in contrast to yin, and that definitely goes with fast-moving energy, speeding up events, um, active surging forth quality that you then add into the mutable in air, and that distinguishes it from... Virgo, which is the other home of Mercury, which is more the yin, feminine, receptive home of Mercury. So when you combine that in with everything you've already been talking about, that's that whole element of, of Gemini that's always actively seeking out new information, new perspectives, finding all the different connections between diverse cultures, fields, philosophies, and that is also why it's a polarity to Sagittarius. Um, both Mercury signs traditionally are, are polarity to the Jupiter signs. And as um, Jupiter, Sagittarius often wants to um, sort of stabilize and affirm and um, come together with this philosophy and vision to live from, the, sh- the shadow sort of side of Sagittarius is they can also become very dogmatic um, thinking that they know what's right from a very interior place. And so Gemini sort of destabilizes that. It, it really, um, Mercury has that quality of contesting things and bringing in a different perspective. And so it can really open up if the Sagittarius side of um, thinking that this certain way of, of viewing the world is, is you're, you always know what's right. Gemini gives you that other perspective that there's, there's more to this story than just this one way of looking at it. Yes, and not just one perspective. I mean, Gemini is so flexible, and it, it looks at all the different facets, all the different opinions or ways of approaching something, it seems. Yes, definitely. And then, you know, ideally, the higher way of, of going with Gemini is not just being distracted and so scattered that you're not making sense of all that, it it can actually find those different interconnections, um, synthesize and express the meaning of how those things actually connect together, to give you Mm -hmm. that that perspective. Right. And um, this might be a a good uh, time to mention, too, that Mercury through the sign of Gemini, defines our cognitive processes or 
um, what we refer to as our learning style or information filter to the world. And in some of the other disciplines, such as psychology or education, we have models such as the Myers-Briggs or the format learning styles. And in astrology, we use the 12 signs of the zodiac to define how Mercury operates in each of us and helps uh, us engage with the world and defines our particular learning style. Could you um, talk about that a little bit? Well, with Mercury and and then in connection with Gemini, um, one of the things to to really understand is, I guess, first, what is you know what does Mercury signify, and then also when you're looking at there are those sort of general characteristics of Gemini mentioned, but let's say you have planets in Gemini, um, since those planets are in the home of Mercury, to really understand what's going on with those planets in Gemini you need to look at where your Mercury is and, you know, what house Mercury's in, what aspects Mercury is making. Same thing even if you don't have planets in Gemini, you may have a house, you'll have a house that's Gemini. Same thing, you're looking at Mercury. And so Mercury's not always going to be in Gemini or in Virgo, as you're mentioning. It can, it can be in any of the signs, and that's going to really bring a different quality of that to Mercury. Uh, Mer- Mercury is, it does go with learning styles. Um, it's different than just your intelligence. It's more the aspect of intelligence and consciousness that's interpreting meaning from life and translating meaning, that's discerning, um, expressing, conveying meaning, meaning and understanding. That's why um, writing and speech are major things that connect with Mercury. So when you're looking at what sign you, you have Mercury, and that's one, one quality you're looking at is how are you interpreting meaning, translating meaning. It could go along with your writing style or the way you speak. Um, and also that Mercury is very changeable. So it's one of these, it's, this, it's the strangest planet in that way in astrology in that it, it, it really can um, change its nature um, most of the planets ha- have, were given sort of, in traditional astrology, sort of, um, they could be masculine or feminine or benefic or malefic or nocturnal, diurnal, night or day, night or day plants. Mercury can go in between all of those categories and it actually would shift, um, which category it fits into. So it can be masculine and feminine. It could be night or day based on, you know, what it's aspecting in a chart. It's also a very fast-moving planet, and as we'll talk about today with the Mercury retrograde, it can be moving really fast, but that really changeable um, protein nature of Mercury, you really see in how variable its speed is. So um, right now we're talking with Mercury stationing direct, and so at this point in time, it, and, um, Mercury really slows down. So it could be moving really fast, and it'll really slow down. And then in Mercury retrograde, for example, it's moving slower. So it has this quality, too, of um, being really open to change. It, it ends up coming into play also with um, sort of negotiating, mediating in between things. And so if you're looking to um, how that's going to change by what sign it's in, 
So let's say you have Mercury in Gemini, and that's in its own um, sign of, of, of Gemini. That's going to you know, just increase your love of language. Um, if you look even in alchemy, which is you know, one of the hermetic arts, which is you know, connected to Hermes and Mercury, Mercury is that bridge between connecting the um, animating spirit with the body in a material form. And if you think a lot about language and writing, that's what you're doing. And so Mercury and Gemini, for example, is, is going to really connect with that. They're, they tend to be more facile with language, being able to really capture um, life and that meaning in words that are um, clear and understand to other people. Um, if you have Mercury in a different sign, it's going to play out a little bit differently. So say you have Mercury in Pisces, um, that's a water sign. It's still a mutable sign. That Mercury and Pisces at times may have more difficulty finding very clear words to express what it's thinking and communicating that to others. Yet Mercury and Pisces will end up having a very um, poetic quality when it does communicate, can really look at the, the deeper um, level of things and capture that in poetry or music or art, um, being very emotive, also then, you know, being able to connect to the feelings of um, its environment. And sometimes the ability to communicate that is, is sort of beyond words. And so, but the Mercury and Pisces would be um, tuning into that. So, Say you have that placement, you need to then you know work on a little bit more how you're you know communicating and expressing that, and so whatever wherever you have it, it's going to have a focus. So Mercury in a fire sign is going to be much more um, directive, again fast moving, um, getting kind of straight to the point, maybe more visionary, and so forth. Mercury in an Earth sign is going to be more connected to the um, material environment, um, the body, um, the senses of the body, understanding things through that, and being able to um, oftentimes come up with more pragmatic, practical solutions to things because they're, they're, you're going to be kind of bringing that mercury down more into the, into the earth material plane, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, let's in in a Mercury style. Let's let's switch subjects a little bit here. Switch okay. direction a little bit. Uh, Gray, I know that you have studied Hellenistic astrology, the Greco-Roman tradition, which is the original form of astrology that has been practiced here in the Western world. And from this tradition, we have the Greek and Roman myths, stories that have been passed down through the ages that tell us about the planetary archetypes in astrology. And you are very familiar and write very eloquently about some of these myths. And um, what can you tell us about the planetary ruler of Gemini, Mercury, from mythology? Well, there, there is a connection there. Um, some people, you know, don't see that way as, as other people do, but I definitely feel there's a very strong connection between the myth and um, astrology, especially with Mercury. It's, um, 
there's just a wealth of information and understanding, I feel, that comes from looking at myths surrounding um, Hermes, who's the Greek uh, Mercury, and um, how that informs our understanding of the planet Mercury, and then also um, Gemini. So in Hellenistic astrology, um, when, when they're translating a lot of that text, in what the actual translation of what we're calling Mercury now is um, really something to the effect of being the star of Hermes. So it's not really saying it's Hermes, but it's saying it's a star that belongs to Hermes. And if you just look at um, the source story of Hermes, Hermes is born on Mount Kalini from a secretive passionate affair between Zeus and Maya, who is um, one of the Pleiades. So she's actually a daughter of Atlas and um, in that kind of Titan line in a, in a cave. And um, so right off the bat, we see there's that secretive, um, sometimes deceptive side of Mercury also, Mercury does go with um, passion, um, sort of lustful nature types of things also. Um, and right after Hermes is born, he you know, he's this ingenious, precocious baby that right away gets this idea, I'm going to go um, steal the cattle of Apollo who's, you know, the sun god and, you know, the, pretty much the biggest heavy hitter deity out there that you normally wouldn't want to be really messing with. But Hermes as a baby goes right off to steal mm-hmm. his cattle. But before even getting there, he notices this turtle and just looks at the turtle and has his vision, I can create an instrument out of that. So he ends up killing the turtle, taking the shell, Stringing, putting strings across the shell and creating like a, um, for this musical instrument, um, like a lyre that he then can play music on. So right then we see too, that's that nature of Mercury, Gemini that might get sidetracked by some idea, but that sidetrack isn't necessarily a distraction. It can be a real windfall and a real, um, amazing invention or, or creation that just kind of comes out of being open to that. So then he does still go out, he does steal the cattle, and he marches them backwards. And he marches them backwards to hide the tracks to try to, um, for, so Apollo can't figure it out. So that, that gets interpreted by a lot of people as um, being sort of resonant with the fact that Mercury does go retrograde. And it goes more retrograde than the other planets. So the retrograde is a really important quality of Mercury that it, that it does it so often. And then, so Apollo does figure out he took his cattle. So Apollo goes to confront Hermes, and Hermes is, you know, laying down in the cave as a baby. I think that he's just a little baby. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, he's kind of like, I don't even know what... I've heard of cattle, I think. I'm not even sure what they are. You know, how could I steal, you know, your cattle, your Apollo... And um, Apollo just starts laughing. You know, he, he was going to get Zeus to come in and, and sort of reprimand his son, and Zeus is just completely charmed 
by this baby he just had. And um, also in this, so they're com- so he's com- he's completely lying, but he's incredibly charming and charismatic the way he's doing that. And he's friendly, and, and they just they can't help but like him. Then he also basically offers Apollo. He plays him a song and shows him that he just created this musical instrument, which Apollo, of course, is completely amazed by. And so Hermes, as an infant, basically gifts Apollo with this, which, if you know, Apollo ends up being this um, sort of master of musical composition that could create, you know, beautifying and healing music and has that that quality to Apollo. And, you know, so that's another sort of thing there of the um, Hermes, you know, gifting him with that. Um, I think that goes well sometimes with, even if you think about Mercury retrograde or Apollo in that situation being really frantic and where's my cattle and he's kind of mad, he's really frustrated. And then out of that, he ends up, being given this musical instrument that becomes this really important calling for him. So I, I even interpret that a little bit as sort of how sometimes there's, sort of, there's a sort of, there's this definite trickster element to Mercury that can kind of, that can seem like it's really wrecking havoc and it can be upsetting, but then often something will come out of that. That idea of the boon or the windfall, um, is important with, with Mercury. Um, and then, there's, I mean, and he's just a, a god that has tons of significations. The planet does, too. So there's also the side of him that becomes a um, guide of souls. You know, this makes him a messenger of the gods, but also very specifically makes him a messenger for Hades. And so um, that's another side of Mercury that really comes up during the retrograde. Mercury could go down to the underworld, was part of guiding the soul, you know, once the soul leaves the body and it's going on its way to Hades, Mercury comes in there as a guide. Also, from stealing the cattle, they were like, well, you should be the... He becomes the god of shepherds and flocks, so it's also a very guiding um, role. Also, that amazing ability just to, at times, lie and deceive, but um, doing so in a very charismatic way, and that really comes out a lot in negotiating negotiating and mediating um, agreements and conflicts, and Mercury is really also connected with commerce, uh, merchants, those are words all have like the merc in them, like the mercantile, mm-hmm. um, business world. You know, there's lots of arguments and negotiations always going on in economics or anything like that. So that's another way you can kind of see that quality coming in there. Um, Also being a god of thresholds and boundaries and kind of demarcating certain um, thresholds you might cross, such as going into a temple area or or more spiritual place versus crossing over some other line into another um, vicinity of whatever sort it is. And that's another p- part where you can bring it into 
Mercury retrograde, for example, there's, there's very clear when you go into Mercury retrograde, we're crossing a threshold into this retrograde space. When Mercury station is direct, we're crossing a threshold into him reemerging as a morning star. And that's another kind of boundary space with Mercury we're going into. Hmm. So there's, there's tons of information with, with, we, I can kind of, go on forever talking about, but I'll stop there. <laughs> well, one more question around, the, uh, one more question in that area. Um, how does one view Mercury from a soul-centered perspective? I've heard him described as the spiritual messenger. Is there a, a spiritual quality or a spiritual dimension to Mercury or Hermes? Yes. I mean, Hermes and Mercury, well, if we just, Looking at Mercury in astrology, yes, just like Hermes can cross all boundaries, Mercury does bridge spirit with the body. It's that intermediary force, that um, energy that we have that can connect spirit, soul, mind with our body. I mean, that's just fundamental. So a lot of times, you know, some astrology, I think, overplays the side of Mercury that's rational and linear and that kind of logical mind. Mm -hmm. And that is part, Mercury has that dimension to it, but it, it, it has more, that's only one side of Mercury. And it's, it's, it's fundamentally to me about that, what you're saying there. It, it is this bridge between spirit and the body and, and connecting those things together. I mean, if you just look at what, what, is, what, what is language, um, you know, and, and creating words. And when people, when the material world is always changing and things are coming into being and passing away and dying, and um, written word, for one example, or um, some forms of philosophy or religion, those are where people are kind of striving to create this more eternal consciousness or understanding, something that's going to live on and unify things. And so Mercury is also part of that. It's, it's in, um, mediating in between all of those dimensions. Yeah, yes, very much so. Well, let's uh, take a short break right now. And when we come back, we will be continuing our conversation with Greg Crawford about Gemini and its planetary ruler, Mercury. And we will be discussing Mercury retrogrades. So stay tuned. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Janie McCarthy loves being a professional astrologer. Her academic pursuits in consciousness exploration, negotiations, and relationship transformation have been critical to helping her clients integrate their material and spiritual worlds. She is known for her ability to simplify and articulate even the most complex concepts to trigger aha moments of pure, meaningful, and lasting clarity. Janie is available for booking presentations, workshops, and client consultations and can be contacted at JanieMcCarthy.com.
Mary Jo Weavers is a licensed spiritual health coach specializing in soul personality integration. A certified karmic astrologer, Mary Jo uses the symbolic language of astrology to help her clients understand themselves and their life experiences from a deeper spiritual perspective. Mary Jo can help you gain clarity about your life purpose, relationship dynamics, and how to live your life more effectively. She is available for astrological consultations in person, by phone, and Skype. Check out our website at MaryJoWeavers.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Listening to Astrology, the theory of everything. To reach the hosts or the guests today, you may send an email to astrotalkradio at iCloud.com or find us on Facebook at astrotalkradio. You can email Janie McCarthy through her website, janiemccarthy.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. This is Mary Jo Weavers, and I'm visiting today with astrologer Gray Crawford. Before the break, we were talking about the sign of Gemini and its planetary ruler Mercury and how they can be understood through their myths and stories. And Gray, let's turn our attention now to Mercury retrogrades. Many people are familiar with or at least have heard about them. Um, Would you tell us, first of all, what a Mercury retrograde is? Yes, and it's... It certainly is that thing in astrology that it seems most people have heard about, even if they don't know what astrology is, and people sort of demonize it, um, which is interesting, even from the standpoint of Mercury and Hermes. But the important thing to realize is it's not this aberration it's an, it is an anomaly as far as the fact that from our perception on Earth, it appears that Mercury is moving backwards through the zodiac instead of moving forwards through the zodiac. But the fundamental fact is Mercury retrograde is absolutely essential. It's an essential aspect of Mercury's synodic cycle, which is the cycle of Mercury with the sun. It is as essential as night is to day and winter is to summer. It's a fundamental aspect of what Mercury is. And so um, it's not this strange, horrible thing. It's, it's, it's what Mercury is. So what's actually going on is Mercury is not, um, the listeners probably are aware that Mercury is not actually moving backwards. Um, if you're looking at the orbits of the planets and um, astrology, we talk about and we're looking at things generally through a geocentric perspective, which means we're looking at things sort of as they're revolving around the Earth from our Mm -hmm. perspective on Earth. And so what's happening with Mercury retrograde is this is a part of Mercury's orbit when Mercury comes in between our orbit and the Sun. So Mercury retrograde 
first of all, is when Mercury is always closest to us. Um, it's in bet- it's directly it's coming directly in between us and the sun. And if you think even about astronomy, that's that is one of those interesting things that it goes so well with Hermes and, and Mercury. You know, Mercury is a planet that's closest to the sun, so they're translating, interpreting that um, solar intelligence of the sun for us. And the other thing is, as I mentioned before, this changeable protein um, shifting quality of Mercury you really see that with the variable speed and how during Mercury retrograde, the other thing is it's really slowing down. So when we come into a Mercury retrograde, it's coming out of Mercury being a bright evening star. And we are actually recording this it's like the day before Mercury stations retrograde, I believe. And so right now, um, Mercury's a bright evening star, and then when it ends up, Stationing retrograde, it, it, it kind of varies a little bit by the, by the actual degree, but right around, generally in that time, you'll, Mercury will flash at sunset and disappear. And that's because Mercury is getting so close to the sun, it's going under the beams of the sun, so we don't see it anymore. So it moves from that bright evening star to being invisible. And that is symbolized by the descent um, into the underworld when we, when we talk about, and I'll go more into that later, I guess, with interpreting what Mercury retrograde is. But it's, it's the, the, one of the main things to just understand is that it's all really is Mercury coming in between us and the sun. Our experience of it is those degrees that it's passing through get very amplified and accentuated because Mercury is all of a sudden moving very slowly through them. And wherever Mercury stations, it's standing still. So if you have anything in your chart that's really impacted by it, you get a big jolt of Mercury there because it's just kind of standing still. Instead of normally, other times it can just fly through a point in one day. Um, It happens generally three times a year. And generally about three weeks, but it is irregular. And that actually is another quality of Mercury. Um, Irregularity of fortune and things happening to you go along with Mercury. And in 2016, for example, we're technically going to actually have four Mercury retrogrades because at the very end of the year, around December 19th, around the winter solstice in the northern hemisphere, Mercury will go retrograde. Mm-hmm. So, um, but generally, it's three within one year, mm-hmm. and they generally last about three weeks. But it's not always um, exact. So um, this year, there was one in January, um, going from Aquarius into Capricorn, primarily. That was about twenty-one days. The one in Taurus in May is about twenty-five days, and the one in September in Virgo is about twenty-three days. But it's generally that idea of about three weeks, it goes retrograde about three times a year. And the important thing there, it's, it's, just, it's just this very regular part of Mercury. So it's, it's fundamental to Mercury's meaning. And when people just want to blame a lot of things on Mercury retrograde, and, and we can talk about what some of the cha- There are some challenges to it, and um, 
it also really depends on what kind of mercury you have in your chart to a little bit how you experience it. But the main thing is it's not this um, terrible thing. It's it's a it's 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 an it's an essential aspect of mercury. Right. And I I think it's also important to understand too that even though it's moving retrograde for about three weeks each time, there's actually a, a longer period of time that it affects that area of the zodiac and that area of our chart um, before and after the the retrograde. And we refer to that whole area as the shadow area. So there's actually time before the retrograde where we're moving through that area of life or that area of our chart where um, we're getting a chance to, to experience things for the first time. And then we have the retrograde phase which is a, a second experience. And then when Mercury moves direct, it passes over that same area a third time. So um, even though we talk about the retrograde lasting about three weeks, it's actually a much longer period of time, isn't it? Yeah, that's definitely the case. And you can definitely see that a lot of times just when it, once you start noticing it crossing over that zone um, where it will eventually station direct, the um, sort of issues and themes that start coming up are really important. I think that does get much more heightened in the period leading up to um, Mercury actually stationing direct, but at that point it becomes a lot more clear about what are some of these really major things um, coming up to the surface of consciousness to deal with. And um, But, yeah, so as soon as it crosses over that, so with um, the one in September this year, for example, Mercury will ultimately around the autumn equinox station direct at about 15 degrees of um, Virgo. So as soon as Mercury goes in, hits that 15 degree mark of Virgo, which is back more in the middle of August, you know, you, you might start, like you're saying, um, that that one's going to go from about 30 degrees of Virgo back to 15 degrees of Virgo. So that whole, if you have, whatever you have in your chart, 15 to 30 degrees of Virgo, is going to get that three. three Mercury's going to go across at three different times, and you definitely want to be paying attention the first time it goes through there, even though it's not retrograde yet. It, it, it could definitely end up. Um, there could be a thread there that kind of connects the whole thing together. Right. And um, you mentioned that there are certain things that we often experience during retrograde. Can you talk about those? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, symbolically, just because I was talking previously about Mercury and Hermes, and I didn't go completely into that as far as relating that to Mercury retrograde, on a symbolic um, perspective, I've been very influenced by the work of Demetra George who, um, at least to my knowledge, she was the first person I saw really talking a lot about this, um, and that is to connect the psychopomp guide of souls, you know, messenger of Hades, the Mercury that can go down to the underworld and come back up, connecting that to the meaning of Mercury retrograde. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, Part of that is sort of this inward turn of our mind into our inner depths, um, you could say into our soul, into the, our unconscious, 
there's often also a symbolic perception that can open up with that. It kind of goes beyond words, so messages from dreams, being more attuned possibly to sort of omens or signs, um, intuitions, um, our senses and how our senses form meaning, the... um, especially this year with them happening in Earth signs, um, especially the Mercury retrograde in Taurus. We, you know, really we, we make our meaning out of our senses and bodies, um, even though we like to talk about it being this rational intellectual exercise. And Mercury retrograde is, is bringing us back more into that realm, um, mm-hmm. that sort of subjective inner realm, which is... Um, you know, the way we're, we're, we're perceiving reality and other people are, are perceiving reality, you know, that's how we're actually creating what reality is. And so it's this liminal space in that way. Um, when we're dealing with that underworld aspect, I do like to think about when Mercury is going to station retrograde and, it's, and it um, disappears at sunset and it's invisible and that thinking about that we're crossing into this liminal threshold of things just being open to change. And so a lot of times we hear, don't buy anything, you know, don't sign a contract, don't start a business when Mercury is retrograde. And I would disagree with that. Um, There's lots of things you can start during a Mercury retrograde. And I would say that the difference, though, is... um, you, you you do need to be patient, and you do need to be open to um, really paying attention and being aware. And if you're if you sort of already have this preconceived notion of how things are going to go, and you're being very linear about that, and you're being rational in that way, and trying to control things to go along with that this way you think things are supposed to be, which maybe that's the way a lot of people operate and that's why they get thrown off by Mercury retrograde because that sort of attitude is not going to... That's where there's going to be more challenges to to me. Um, But if you're open to what's actually happening, so it is true that sometimes you do have to resolve and go back and go over something from the past during a Mercury retrograde and if something's coming up, if you're working on something, for example, and it's not going the way you think it's going, and you have to sort of repeat it or work on it some more, that is, is something that's, that to me is just important to be paying attention to and, and focus on. And, and you may have to change or adjust it, but most likely that's happening for a reason. There's some sort of underlying reason that's coming up. Same thing if it's something from your past, past relationships, um, past issues or past patterns that start rising up to the surface again for you to confront and face. Those are that's also really really important information for that to be coming to the surface, and that's again something to um, you know focus on and work through during the Mercury retrograde, if, if that makes sense. Right, and people oftentimes view Mercury retrogrades negatively because they dread anticipating that they'll be subjected to all sorts of inconvenient or uncomfortable experiences or setbacks in their life. But just as you say, if we're really tuned in, there's important information that can be coming through or different kinds of information 
or different points of view or different um, insights that in the long run are of great benefit to us. Yes, definitely. I mean, also there's, the, I want to make sure I mention the um, inferior conjunction that happens during Mercury retrograde, which is really, arguably, it's one of the two most powerful points of Mercury in its entire cycle. And so that actually happens when Mercury is retrograde. And so it's, it's this powerful moment of conception and creating and rebirth. Um, that happens, the, um, it's called the inferior conjunction versus the superior conjunction. So the superior conjunction is when Mercury is moving direct into the sun, but the inferior conjunction is what happens when, because Mercury is in between us and the sun, um, it's, it's directly lining up with us and the sun. And when a planet goes into the sun, especially once it gets to that around one degree, within a degree of the sun, that's mm-hmm. known as Kazemi or going into the heart of the sun. And you can think about that as Mercury being purified in the rays of the sun and reborn. Um, I don't have time to get into Some astrologers argue, like a lot in astrology is about arguments. Um, <laughs> there's some disagreement versus is the Mercury retrograde one the start of the cycle versus the superior conjunction being the start of the cycle, um, especially that comes out a lot with horary astrologers who, who uh, really conceive of the superior being the, but the, the beginning. But the Mercury retrograde inferior conjunction is really powerful. I do tend to think of it as being the, st- the start of the cycle, but it doesn't really matter to me. You can argue that point forever. It's, it's clearly a rebirth moment. And um, the one that happens in May in Taurus is very unique. Um, it's going to actually be a Mercury transit or eclipse of the sun, um, this hasn't happened since November of 2006, and it won't happen again until November of um, 2019. And that's happening because Mercury, when Mercury has this inferior conjunction with the Sun, it's going to be in the same place that Mercury has its heliocentric north node. Um, so all the planets have nodes, just like the Moon has nodes, and just as the moon's south node and north node are eclipse points, the nodes of the planets can also signify that. So from a heliocentric perspective, it's the, which is a, a sun-centered perspective, it's the north node of Mercury that's mm-hmm. going to be transiting the sun. Um, if we were looking at it, ge- we can also create nodes geocentrically, and it's, it's this time of year where, um, I can't explain this right now, but the north node and south node of Mercury are actually the same degree of Taurus, right where this is happening. Hmm. But if you think about this north node development of Mercury, it's just really powerful. And it, that is always a, if you look at when this, when this is happening, it's a really powerful moment to tune into and um, really be intentional about what you're creating in your life at that time. For the listeners that hear this, the next one that will be happening is in September. And I believe that one's going to be September 12th. Um, and that's going to be a very potent Mercury retrograde season because it's going to be happening um, with eclipses 
and actually that that particular one, the day it happens, um, Mercury will also be in square to Mars, which is sort of a theme of the retrogrades this year. The one in Taurus, actually, when that one happens, which is that really powerful alignment with the sun I was mentioning, Jupiter is actually stationing direct the same day. Mm. Jupiter, of course, being in Virgo, a sign of Mercury. So um, the retrogrades this year are... Are very if you if you're looking at them, they all all three they're all in Earth signs. They all have really powerful aspects to both Pluto and Mars. Um, there's also even a connection with Jupiter and them <clears throat> that I've noticed. And so it's as difficult as they can be. I know I the one in January was was an ex- was an extremely difficult Mercury retrograde for me personally. But what seems to be going on is they're really creating something really major and important is being realigned, and the looking at all the aspects around them, there's there's something that's really important going on, and so it's it's more about aligning with whatever that is that's coming up for you, and going with whatever those changes are. Mm-hmm. And so, on um, a very practical level, what what can you generally tell clients to do during a Mercury retrograde so they can make the best use of these cycles? I mean, sort of what I was saying before of um, just being willing to be open to align and go along with what's happening to a certain extent. It doesn't mean you can't be, I don't mean this to be a pushover. You definitely should be resilient and persistent, but when they happen, you, you, you're not necessarily going to be able to force to have happen what you want to have happen. Things are going to be changing and shifting, so whatever material is coming up for you to be working with it, um, to also realize that, you, that, you know, that more intuitive side um, is going to be opened up for you more, and... Um, for example, people that are born with Mercury retrograde, when they have it, when Mercury retrograde happens, that kind of aligns more with the way they just kind of operate anyway. So it can also really depend on, you have to sort of look at what is going on in their charts, I guess, when you're talking to a client, what kind of Mercury they even have in the first place. But another thing is to obviously look at the, the degrees that the Mercury retrograde is happening in because those become so potent, as we mentioned, it's crossing back and forth three times, and it's going very slow over those points during the retrograde. And so you really want to tune in to how that is affecting your chart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I yeah. guess uh, we can take a tip from the mythology that you were sharing with us about, um, you know, to maybe take on the role of being a, a Mercury for ourselves and to stay open and receptive and to just go with the flow and to be prepared to to make changes and to be adaptable and to be open to whatever form of communication is coming into our lives. Yes, definitely. And, and, and to realize that you, you can start new things and you can, you, you can sign contracts. Um, but probably, I would say, mm-hmm. if you're, if you're going to sign a contract or you're going to start something and you're getting this sort of inner feeling, such as, oh, this doesn't seem right to me, 
that would be important information to be paying attention to. Um, but if it's something mm-hmm. where something's really coming up and just really feels right to you, and it might even feel right for you because of certain signs or omens going around, you know, or or just it's everything just seems, or there's synchronicity happening of some sort. Everything just seems to go with this, and that, and um, you, you 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 should go with it. And that's that sort of guide of soul kind of quality that the Mercury can also bring in to kind of guide you to, you know, your your soul path in a way, and and where you're meant to go. So that that. Those sort of things can really open up also. Right. Well, are there any other um, uh, comments you would like to make about the Mercury retrogrades that we're experiencing this year? You mentioned that they are all in the Earth signs. Yeah. Um, yes. What, what else would you like to tell us about those? I think that's one of the things to really think about, too, is... Um, Mercury with Earth, I think because of Mercury being the winged messenger and the fleet-footed messenger and myth, we, we tend to think about Mercury with air signs, I think. Mm-hmm. and Or maybe people don't do that, but I feel like that happens a lot with people. And if you think about Mercury, its home and exaltation is in Virgo, an Earth sign. And when I was mentioning alchemy before, that hermetic perspective of Mercury being the bridge, the, the connective force that brings that animating spirit into the body, into the material realm. And so Mercury in Earth signs is really important, and it's that idea of um, really getting in on the material level, getting into your body, into the senses of your body, how you create meaning out of your senses, your instincts, um, inner values, the structures of your life, all those sort of things are, are big themes. And it ends this year, well, there's a one later in the winter solstice, but the one in September is what I'm meaning by saying the ending of them. Um, that one is really big because it's in Virgo um, with all these eclipses going on that are, are really lined up with a lot of really powerful aspects. But as I mentioned, yeah, there is also... The one in January started off with a square to Mars. Mm-hmm. It went all the way back and stationed direct on Pluto. Okay. Um, the well, one in Taurus is flying. Yeah, I can stop there. But the Mars-Pluto <laughs> aspect just brings up the sort of evolutionary power of, of them this year. Yes. Thank you. Well, Gray, we are rapidly running out of time, and I want to make sure that you can tell us about your consultations and services, um, any events and classes, and how can listeners get in touch with you? Well, I have a website, which is graycrawford.net. My name's spelled G-R-A-Y, so it's graycrawford.net. And if you go there, you can see... um, They'll tell you you can always send me an email to um, consultation at greatcrawford.net if you're interested in consulting with me about astrology. I um, regularly post writing on that website, so you can read some of my writing there. And, um, yeah, I do do some speaking events. Um, I don't have anything really planned for immediately after this show is going to air to promote right now. But um, I, I do have a link on that page where if you go there, 
you can look to see if I'm, I'm doing any speaking events. Um, eventually, I'm hoping to get more webinars and that sort of thing set up, but I, I'm not currently doing that. Well, I can vouch for um, the writing, the blog. Uh, your articles are wonderful, so I want to encourage our listeners to to check out your website at graycrawford.net. And, Gray, it's been an honor and a real pleasure to have you talk on the show with us today about Gemini and Mercury and astrology. Thank you so very much for taking the time to be with us. Yeah, thank you, Mary Jo. I enjoyed it. It was great. Thanks. Yes, thank you. And thank you, listeners, for joining us today on Astrology, the Theory of Everything. Check out our Facebook page at Astro Talk Radio for information about this and other shows. Link up with me on LinkedIn, and we can continue our conversations about astrology on Twitter with hashtag Astro Talk Radio. Thank you for being part of the show today. Please join Janie McCarthy and Mary Jo Weavers again next month for another edition of Astrology, the Theory of Everything. You can listen to all our shows on the Voice America 7th Wave channel. May the stars be with you.